Okay, um, hello. It's now the 7th of May 2021. I think I last recorded something on the 27th of February. I did try and record something since then, but it was just very angry, so I listened to it and deleted it. Um, so today I just wanted to sit down and reflect a bit on what's been happening in the last couple of months. I know there's been a few plays of this podcast around the world, so that's pretty cool. Maybe it's something that's resonating with others. Uh, maybe it's just by accident. I don't know who, who really knows, but either way, this is still what I'm doing to try and help my progression through life and dealing with first responder trauma and life around that. So, um, yeah, without much more to start with, we'll kick off with a bit of thought reflection and... Um, yeah, so 27th of Feb was the last time. It, uh, it was interesting and good. Within days, I continued back at work. And, you know, it's that old thing of it's okay not to be okay. Well, I found I was not okay. On um, 1st of March, did a night shift, and it was just a mess. Like, the shift itself was not... Not overly busy, nothing really happened that was different to any other shift, but my ability to cope in my role with the shift and the requirements was just not there. Uh, I found myself a whole lot of nervous anxiety, um, unable to make decisions when I was required to, the fear that any decision I did make was going to be... um, you know, the wrong one and cause someone harm or or cause someone to be harmed or hurt or something. And it was just the longest 12 hours of my my life so far. Um, So, yeah, that was really interesting and scary. And then I I came back out of that. I was exhausted, really happy to leave the shift. You know, we had a lot of great work done, recognised all that with people, but I found myself just being not my usual resilient self and not not able to, you know, to be the leader that, that you're meant to be or even be the copper. Um, it was just really, it was just crap. The way I perceived it, it was crap. I've since spoken with staff that were on that shift that didn't really notice anything. But to me, I was uh, imploding pretty much. So I then um, had a few days off. I was going to do the promotional exam. I cancelled that because I just knew it wasn't in my headspace and had a few days off and then um, I had a pre-appointment with my doctor. That kind of ran for an hour and 20 minutes and she said, better come back tomorrow. So I did. We did all the scoring on um, scales for assessment and I was pretty well through the roof for PTSD, anxiety and stress. So that led to me going off work and I haven't been back since so now we're going into two months um, and that's been a whole series of a series of problems in itself because when you are in that space that you're the one that you know has the the guidance and the support for everyone else but then have to take your own medicine and, and take time off the track it's really well it has been for me really hard to accept that notwithstanding that you then look at compounding effects of what I know the stigma around psychological injuries remains especially within the police 
where everyone knows about it, everyone supports it from top down. They all say, yep, we need you to be good and we're here to support you. But, you know, as soon as you go off, I can't help think that others are sitting there thinking, oh, yeah, you only just did that to not be at work. You know, like that's the negative self-tout that comes in. Um, and I've spoken with many of my team members and, and managers since that are all lovely and highly supportive, but it doesn't change how I perceive it. You know, it's that negative self-doubt that comes in. And then, you know, the whole, okay, I'm seeing psychologist, that's going really well. He's an ex-cop. Um, so that having that already, you don't have to explain a lot of things that happens in the police because they already know. So that's really handy. Um, but also to see someone that's been through a lot come out the other end and progress away from the organisation is is really good too. But I guess for me, I'm still, I want everything now. I want every, I want the plan, I want the control, I want, um, you know, well, let's, I know how long things take. Like I've supported people through medical discharge and trauma stuff and that. I know how long things take. But when I'm now in the middle of it, it's like, yeah, but no, I want it to happen now, thanks, because I don't have time for this. So it's really, um, I'm, I'm balancing with that whole aspect of, yes, I understand, but I want it quicker. Um, you know, and to accept that, yes, it's okay to be not okay. I'm, I'm trying to still understand that and accept it, even though I sprout it. It's when it suddenly happens to you and you're faced with it, you sort of have a different view because you're like, yeah, but how, what does this mean? What next? What do I do with my life? Well, you know, in accordance with what I know already works and, and working with my psych, physical exercise is the best thing that I'm doing at the moment. I'm going to the gym three times a week at least. And I find that a lot of my nervous energy stores in my legs. So I can't really walk fast. Like my wife loves walking fast, but I can't keep up with her and she just disappears, mainly because of, you know, work-related injuries and assault injuries on my knees and my hips that I just start to freeze up when I go too quick. So I can have a leisurely stroll or a moderate walk, but not run. So I've found cycling um, and not the lycra-clad road cycling, but mountain biking. Um, I've, I've got a bike now that I can take off-road. I, I did have a steel frame solid thing that was um, $40, you know, marketplace kind of bargain thing that's no suspension, never cleaned it, never oiled the chain. Uh, I can ride that up to the to the beach track and everything and it's easy, but I took it off onto a mountain bike track um, and fell off gloriously and, yep, definitely figured out I need more padding on my knees and stuff. Uh, so now I've got a better mountain bike and that's actually been really good for me because I can get out and you just feel it in your legs when you ride properly and you put the power in. It takes the stress away. It's awesome. Um, so a combination of that, um, meditation, you know, trying to do that mindfulness stuff, sitting around, catching up with a few friends that, that are in the job or, or have been discharged. But the hardest thing I'm finding, and it's the one thing I'm trying to work on, is spending time with myself and what I mean by that is is you there's so many thoughts and so many emotions around this injury um that that I've got to accept it and I've got to be able to move past because at the moment I'm blocking so yeah that's that's a work in progress but we'll get back to the injury now so everything's been diagnosed as PTSD which is in the 
DSM-5, Diagnostical Statistical Manual, PTSD, but they're also saying I've got a complex PTSD, which is recognised, but not in the DSM-5. Um, so it's basically, yeah, the years and years of, of the trauma and the stuff. It seems that when uh, things were happening at work that were quite full on over the last six months, it gradually eroded my resilience and put my stress and trauma levels so high that I couldn't hide the rest of the stuff anymore. So anything that I'd dealt with in the past was coming back in the way of flashback memories, nightmares, thoughts when you're conscious, um, and hindering thoughts and, and visions when you when you're trying to do other stuff. And that was consciously quite scary and annoying and, you know, um, have a bit of a weird reaction to that. But analytically, it was very interesting to know that while I thought I'd dealt with previous, you know, traumas and all the stuff I'd seen, things that had happened to me, um, you think you deal with that, it can actually come back. And that's that's really interesting in the analytical side that it can come back years later if you again become uh, I guess unwell injured uh, to a point where you don't have the resilience and strength and where you're basically worn down or your bucket's full you know so everything tips out you can't put any more in um, and your, your bucket's full so it was very interesting in that space to have that happen um, and now yeah I'm just working on that with different modalities working on and it's taken, geez, well, yeah, seven, eight weeks now and, you know, combination of medication and treatments to get to the point where, okay, I can sit and and mostly have generalist conversations without getting too wound up. I still do get triggered. And if I'm talking about work stuff, it, you sort of feel the heart race and you start to wind up a bit, which is really annoying. Um, I love the job. I love what I've done in my 20 years service. I would love to continue, but at the moment, when I look at going into a situation, um, like, you know, even back at comms room, back in the radio room, dealing with, with back of house stuff or operationally out on the road going to jobs, my first reaction in how I'm going to deal with something is an emotive reaction, not a tactical reaction. So when I'm turning up to a domestic or I'm dealing with a critical incident or something like that and I'm having an emotional response, that is not going to end well because usually in this space, um, first responders, police, you need to have that armour on, which is usually the uniform and the, the gear, where your mind goes into a different space. You're basically, you're attacking everything in a tactical way. There's no emotion to it. You're there to perform a task and then after the dust has settled and you've gained control of everything and it's safe, that's usually when you allow the emotional side of it to come in and go, okay, how do I feel about that? But for me, looking at how this looks moving forward, all my thoughts on how I would approach any single incident, no matter where it be, is the first one's an emotive reaction. And it's like, well, that's not really going to help anyone, <laughs> least of all me. Um, so we continue and, yeah, I've, I've sort of, I'll see how we go. So in the interim, I've, I've resumed studies to try and keep myself busy. I've got lists and tasks where I've got a whole lot of jobs I need to get done. Each day I mark three of them. 
so that I've got three things each day I can tick off and at least achieve. And if things need to move, they can move. Once a week, I have a, um, a chill day where I don't have any expectations on myself on one day. But again, if that day needs to move, I move. And I was listening to another podcast um, um, a couple of days ago, no, a couple of months ago, actually, or weeks ago. Um, and there was a suggestion that, you know, to – it was actually an effective studying mode, like to be an effective study, but I found it really helpful just in life. Turn off all the notifications on your phone. So anything for an incoming email, incoming Facebook message, Instagram – whatever you've got on your apps that keeps binging and dinging and grabbing your attention through the day, turn them all off, keep your badges there if you want so you can see it when you look at it, but it it enables you then not to be a slave to your phone. You keep your phone incoming calls and text messages so that if anyone does need you, they can ring or text you, but anything else in that social media space Turn the active notifications off so you don't get notified when it happens because nothing's that important in that space that that can't wait. And I'll tell you that that has made a great difference because my phone no longer bing, bing, bings all over the place with stuff that's just distracting me from normal life or relaxation. Um, You know, you get a notification that something's happened. You look at it. It is not normally or very often important but it distracts you and then you might scroll on to something and it just takes your time away it really really does so I found that really handy um that's been helpful but uh you know either way so yeah that's pretty much where we've been the last couple of months and I feel things are improving but we'll just keep going and uh, see how we go So I guess um, one thing to take away, if if you choose, I guess it's up to you, it's up to me. I know I've had to uh, do a lot of work on it. I've been telling people for ages, you know, if you need time off, get it early rather than later because the earlier you address an issue, like, you know, if you've got a sore leg, the earlier you manage that, the better you're going to have a quicker recovery. Whereas you leave it till it's broken, then you've got, you know, nine, 12 weeks in a cast or whatever. So, I mean, same with with psychological injuries. I've been telling people for yonks, don't ignore them, get help, do all this kind of stuff. I've been getting help along the way, but it just, it got to a point where I think combination of my expectations of what I was supposed to do, not anyone else's expectations of what I was supposed to do, but my expectations of what I was supposed to do, combined with everything that happened and the combined experience with that and how that all processed. I guess I had a mini flame out. Um, That last shift of mine was really, really dreadful and scary. I thought I was going to be unable to support my team and unable to support those on the road and that really scared me. So I wouldn't say I think if I'd have kept going and gone back and back and back and kept trying to fight it, I would have had a massive flame out where something bad would no doubt would have happened. Um, I think I was lucky that I just took the advantage and had the good medical team to go, now, listen, you need some time off the track. So it's it's easier said than done. You've got Are You OK Day. There's all these mental health um, 
things that are coming up now, it's more widely recognised, but I still acknowledge there is a, I'm going to say perceived stigma, everyone perceives there is stigma, but I think by that perception, it still creates and, and maintains a stigma. So whilst there is a lot of talk to remove the stigma around, you know, psychological injuries and having time off, the basics of policing are we continue to do what we can and make things work with systems that generically don't work or tools that don't work a lot of the time. Um, we're given a lot of great things, but, you know, you turn up to a very dynamic situation and you just manage it with what you've got or you turn up to work and nothing's working, so you just manage it with what you've got until someone comes in later and fixes it. That's inherently what we do. So when it comes to times like this where you think, oh, maybe I'm not coping too much, you have the, the dichotomy of, well, I've just got to make do because that's what we do versus as well, or not versus, but combined with um, the stigma or perceived stigma about, oh, what happens if I go off on cycle leave? If I go on mountain climbing and break a leg um, and have six or 12 weeks off, yep, no worries. He's sick because he went mountain climbing and no doubt you'll come back to a lot of funny pictures and, and all this kind of stuff. But if you have it, with a psychological injury because you've been burnt out from work or PTSD's kicked in or it was a, a bullying harassment or something traumatic that was ex- you were exposed to that just tripped you out, it does still feel like that's, you know, it's uh, not, not accepted. But it is. And I guess it's a long way of saying if, for me, I accept that I've, I have to now sit in this period because the longer I fight it, the longer I'm going to be off. Um, I have to now sit and spend time each day going, yes, I'm off work because I'm injured. How do I feel about that? How do I feel about returning to the job? How do I feel about not returning to the job? And I have to try and deal with those feelings in myself and not try and distract myself every day like I do. And and also deal with um, yeah, the identity of being a cop and what that means and what that means if it's no longer my career. So there's, there's a lot of stuff there that I'm dealing with. And I guess if anyone in is listening and wants some guidance, all I can say, and what's been preached by my psychologist. And as I'm starting, studying that again, it sort of makes sense, but it's hard when you're doing it yourself is just to, yeah, keep an eye on yourself, do the mindful activities. Um, I had to stop drinking alcohol 18 months ago because I think I was going to die with the amount I was consuming. So if I was drinking now, that would be very, very bad. I'd be in a totally different state. So it's hard, but watch your alcohol, eat better, all the healthy life stuff that when you feel like shit, you just want to gravitate to hot chips and beer and spirits. Like that's what you do. But it is the fact that if you get outside, do some exercise, riding, walking, swimming, hiking, whatever is your thing, just get out that that energy. Um, it will help you sleep. It will help you move. And, you know, that's something to do in the lead up. And then if it does all become too much, hopefully you've already started something in way of counselling or talking to people or, or looking at something, but the ability to then turn around and go, yeah, okay, that's it, I need time out. Um, it's a very hard decision to make and mine was made for me and it's a very hard decision to accept but it's one that I look back on now and know that, well, for my life and for my happiness with my wife, it was the right decision. I don't know where we're going with this. Um, I'm not sure if I'll return to the job, 
but I know that I need to keep doing this kind of stuff and journaling, um, and we'll, we'll see how we go. So anyway, um, thank you, and I will catch up another time. If you want to get in touch, bjcoop 73 at icloud.com. Um, otherwise, we'll listen another time. Stay safe.